Jason Wilson, in his best-selling book, Cry Like a Man, Emancipation from Emotional Incarceration, said that every boy needs a crew, every man needs camaraderie and a safe space to not only express his emotions, but also release them, venting his cares to someone who cares. In an effort to create a space where brothers could connect in a no-judgment zone and just share, the You Good Bro God idea was birthed. You Good Bro is the nation's number one gathering for black men to become the best versions of themselves through a monthly convening of like-minded brothers who fellowship in a private, safe space for transparency, vulnerability, and liberation. Here, we embrace the realities of being black men while strategizing on how to be better examples of what healthy manhood is. With emphasis on men, especially black men, and our inability to communicate, cope, and cultivate relationships in a healthy manner, the You Good Bro podcast is created. Powered by Anchor and sponsored by the main initiative, the goal of the number one podcast in the world is to keep You Good Bro the household name it has become, liberating brothers from across the country. Let's keep the conversation going, brothers. Peace. Uh, welcome back, brothers, man. Um, how y'all doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm yeah. good. Blessed and highly favored. Yeah, I can't. Thanks. 2021 um, in the mix, starting it off right. You know, um, good news, it sounds like across the board, you know, um, some good, valuable uh, information, blessed information, man. Uh, Y'all want to share a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Just, just what's been happening lately. Um, so for me, like I was sharing with you all a moment ago, um, my wife and I actually just got approved for our new home. So we're doing a new build. Um, and so that's been a process for us getting prepared and getting everything in, in a line so we can um, so we can make sure we get approved for what we want and how we want it and with who we want it. You know what I mean? So everything came full circle and we were actually able to, to get that approval or that pre-approval um, so we can start moving forward. So we actually met with the contractor earlier today. Um, shout out to Ashton Knox, Custom Homes. That's going to be um, our builder. And we actually work together on some other stuff, too, with investment properties and things. So, yeah, that, that's just one of the many good things for us. Um, of course, my wife is pregnant with our third baby boy. Um, and we've gotten better reports about her health and the health of the baby and just the state of the pregnancy in general. Um, so things are looking, looking very, very good for us. It's a good way to start out 2021. Hey, God is the greatest, man. God is the greatest. <laughs> Ken, what's good with your boy? Uh, nothing much, man. Just excited. I got a. Uh, <clears throat> I probably can't tell exactly where and with who, but I'll be taking on um, the part-time position, helping a, a counseling department with the college in the Eastern North Carolina area. Once everything gets going, that you don't know which college it is, but I'll be helping them with like outreach and promotion and just kind of the the, the mental health groups side of their operation. So that's a blessing. Um, kind of what I love to do. So it's going to fit right into where I, where I stand. And then um, getting some licensure stuff squared away is closing up um, for Godson. So I'll be able to roll out finally, probably in the next month or so. All right. Wait. Look for yeah. some of that. Right. <laughs> oh, cool, man. That's good, man. And I'm convinced, man, listening to both of you brothers, man, that when you do what you're supposed to do, you where you're supposed to be, everything will fall right in alignment, man. So you brothers are walking in your purpose, um, walking in your calling, man, and 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 letting it all manifest, man. 
Um, me on my end, man, you know, getting prepared for the main summit. Uh, that's going to be uh, April the 16th, the virtual main summit, the virtual national main summit. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, but also uh, as, a, as a prelude to the summit on uh, February the 23rd, man, we're going to have an event for um, high school students. Uh, it's going to be called From the Block to the Boardroom, Bridging the Gap of Economic Empowerment in uh, Today's Youth. So the main initiative in UG, uh, UGB will be hosting that. It's going to be, a, unlike the summit, it's going to be, a, um, it's going to be an event from 9 to 2. Um, this event is only going to be an hour and a half. It'll be a keynote speaker, and then I'll have um, breakout sessions, about four or five breakout sessions um, in which uh, students can go into. So um, it'll be pretty much a prelude to the summit. And so um, just kind of, you know, kind of set the stage or something major that's going to happen in April. So Boy, um, I just be on the lookout for that. You 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 have struck again. You, you are the name slayer, bro. You be coming up with these names for these programs, man. I tell you, I ain't never coming up with another name for nothing. If I need a name for a program or some headline, I'm coming, Jay. Say say the headline one more time for the February event. What is? That's how from the block to the boardroom, uh, bridging the gap of economic empowerment in today's youth. <laughs> I don't know what will. Shit, I played around with switching it up with the summit. The summit is uh, for mental health and uh, mental health and mental wealth. Dollars making sense, but spelled, you know, with dollar sign E N S E. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and that's that's built off of um, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, business, uh, as well as you know, uh, emotional intelligence. We talk about it all the time and the impact that that has on the whole process, man. So um, a lot to come, man, in this uh, first few months of, um, of 2021, man. Um, and of course, you know, we're going into the podcast right now. I, uh, I buy I buy weekly You Good Bro convenience, man. So we can just jump right on in. So let's do it. All right. So this uh, this past Saturday, um, we, uh, we held our first convenience of 2021. And uh, the topic, uh, the convenient topic this this side, this past Saturday was leading from within the importance of character and leadership. And so one of the things that um, that, that was brought to the table, um, more so just out of some reflection, but also some conversations had with some other brothers, is that uh, with you good, bro, um, wanting to get more brothers involved. And so if you ever seen any of the marketing as of late, uh, it's been having an expert opinion provided by an individual. Mm-hmm. And so that expert opinion not necessarily means that that person is an expert in that field, but what happens is that when you get into a convening with multiple brothers at one time, um, the particular topic might not apply specifically to them, but the hope is that whatever it is that they hear, they either contribute or take whatever is heard and share it with other brothers. But what this also provided was brothers who normally may not speak or have something that's pressing and on their heart or on their spirit to talk about to give them an opportunity to bring that to the table. So it means that everybody uh, takes some ownership so that they can have a voice and to be heard. And so technically, it's not necessarily saying that you're an expert in that particular field. If you are, that's fine. Uh, But what it does, it gives you an opportunity to set the stage for a few minutes to just kind of talk about, you know, why this is important to you or why, you know, why us as brothers need to be having these kind of conversations and then pretty much kind of, you know, roll it out and then we'll just kind of uh, proceed in normal UGB fashion, man. So I just wanted to lay that, that background, man. Um, and also for anybody that's out there listening, you know, to join a UGB convenience, just, you know, 
email, email us at youdoitbroirc at gmail.com. But also, if there is something that's, um, that's pressing and on your heart and on your spirit that we need to discuss within um, the realm of being black men and, uh, and being in a good emotional and mental space, man, please feel free to, you know, to bring that bring that to the table, man. So, um, so this past Saturday, man, uh, with that particular topic, the expert opinion came from Don Morton. And I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with Don. Don is the CEO of the Remand Project. Don is, uh, operates out of Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I got connected to Don um, probably about a couple months ago uh, after um, a cultural competence workshop I did. And so um, he reached out and talked about what the Remand Project was. And essentially, it's just like you good, bro, or the main initiative is focused around healthy male development. However, he focuses on specifically men around the age of 25 years old and above. And so with the Reman Project, he has like mentors, like grown men who mentor other grown men. And so um, in an effort to include, you know, whatever, whatever challenges men may be having, whether it's with fatherhood, being a good husband, you know, um, some of those who are, um, are ex-offenders or trying to, you know, uh, acclimated back to society, etc. You know, and so uh, one of the things that he he really leans on is um, his character. Um, Don is a he's a pastor um, as well, and so he's had some experiences in his past of uh, making some very poor decisions, serving in that particular role. If you listen to the um, the convening uh, that we had, he kind of talks a little bit more personally about. His experience, he's in on his third marriage, um, and he's, he's just had some very unfortunate experiences based off some decisions that he made, um, and he just wanted to talk a lot about character, uh, especially within leadership, because this is black men, you know, um, us being in these particular roles of influence and leadership, it's very critical to have good character, but not just have good character, but to also uh, plant seeds or instill good character into those that were asked to steward, man. And so we dove deep into that conversation of what character was, um, what does leadership look like, and what does character uh, in leadership look like. So that's, uh, that's, 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 that's the gist of what we kind of kind of talked about on Saturday. And it, it was a real good dialogue just to hear the different perspectives on character and in leadership um, on Saturday. No doubt. Yeah. I remember some of the things he was talking about <clears throat> was um, like when you're talking about leadership and, and how it impacts you um, in different endeavors, he talked about the concepts of what the ceiling, the walls and the floor. Can you talk about that for a second, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. So what he, what he did was he broke it down and said that um, when you look at leadership from a ceiling perspective, he says that men, uh, men that hit performance ceilings are much lower than the potential that they have. And so he kind of used the, um, the notion that he had a mentor. And he said that his mentor told him that he had a lot of potential. And so he thought that was a good thing. You know what I'm saying? But he said his mentor uh, came right back around and said, no, that's not a good thing because, um, because you're not using and showing up with everything that's inside of you. And so from that perspective, when it comes to uh, the ceiling, that's what he meant. But then he talked about the wall, and that's when men hit performance walls that divert and distract them from their true and full potential. So case in point, I use myself as an example. I mean, you brothers have stepped out um, and have pursued your passion outside of um, being boxed into um, that 
that that uh the system i call it the system or mm-hmm. for some i call it the plantation or whatever you know what i'm saying <laughs> but um have taken that step out and being distracted by whether it's the the level of comfort um you know that comes with working for a specific agency i'll use myself for example working at Pitt community college um and not really and not stepping out um and to operate the main edition of what you good bro um for my calling and my purpose, but I'm allowing, you know, the, not just the level of comfort, but in all honesty, a level of fear, you know, to distract me of the, what would happen or what could happen. You know what I mean? If I did step out. And so that's what he was referencing when he talked about um, hitting the wall. And then he talked about hitting the floor and that's uh, men that succeed beyond measure only to lose everything because their foundation is cracked. And that's really when we start really diving into talking about character mm-hmm. and asking yourself about your values and what the foundation is and what that built on. And, um, and how, you know, if you notice um, that when you start looking at a lot of our leaders, our great leaders, quote unquote, and how they rose to the top, man, and all of a sudden they fall from grace, using that kind of terminology of falling from grace. You, you peel back those layers and you find out that their values or their foundation wasn't solid. It's, only, it's, it's essentially built on sand. You know what I mean? And so that's what he was referencing when he talked about hitting the ground. I mean, the floor. So it makes you wonder, man, when you look at, it makes you ask your, yourself the question, you know, where do you stand in regards to character? You know, or, or, or better yet, he asked the question on Saturday and I, and I pose it to the both of you. Um, have you ever experienced any of those three or all three for that matter of hitting a wall, hitting the ceiling or hitting the floor? Yeah. So just me, um, I think the ceiling and the walls are most relevant to me. I hope to never have to experience the the floor. (laughs) So for me, the potential thing is what stood out to me when when his mentor told him he had a lot of potential and how he reframed it. It was like, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, and so that's me. That's something I battle with all the time. It's like, and, and I've been told that all my life, man, you got a lot of potential. You got a lot of potential. Okay. Well, when you're going to get to the point where you hit that potential is, is the battle I, I have with myself looking in the mirror and, and I've accomplished a lot. Um, still got a lot that I want to accomplish. Um, so it's a battle there for me. Like, um, it's, it's like, yeah, you've done enough, but that's not enough yet. And so, I don't even know if I would have the wherewithal just myself to say, okay, you've reached your full potential kind of thing. And so that's something that I battle with. Cause it's like, yes, I, I have, I have to learn balance. I have to learn how to be um, content with my level of success or the things that I've accomplished First and foremost, my family. That's my greatest accomplishment. So I have to be content with those things, but not complacent at the same time and not like stagnant and like, okay, you're good. this is good enough. You know what I mean? So that's that's the thing I battle with a lot. Um, and so with the walls, I can get distracted a lot. Um, not necessarily from bad things or fear so much is more so, and I've talked about this before, like I have a lot of ideas (laughs) and it's easy for me to come up with a great idea 
but carrying that idea out um, to its full potential or to fulfillment or implement, implementing it till it's to its success before moving on to the next idea is where I think those walls play a part in, in my journey. Um, I hit though, like I get an idea and I'm like, bet. And then next thing you know, I hit a wall. I'm like, Oh shoot, I got this idea. And so it's like going back and forth, like a, like, what is it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I, I, I've, and I've done better with it. I'll give myself credit for that. I've done a lot better with focusing on one to three things that I can dedicate time to, to, to work through and make successful before I start entertaining other ideas. Or I've gotten better at giving those ideas to somebody else and letting them see if they can run with it. And so that's something that I've developed as well is like, I, I am actually planning on meeting with, with a, a good friend of mine tomorrow, um, where it's like some, some business ideas, entrepreneurship things that I know can be successful. <clears throat> I kind of got a blueprint for them, but I ain't got the time to be able to dedicate to it or something else that I want to see happen first um, before I move to those things. So if I can give it to him or give it to somebody else and say, Hey, look, this is the blueprint or this is what we can do. And then I can work with them on it somewhat like here and there when I have time, like, all right, bet this is what you can do. Or let's think about this. Then I, that's where, that's the direction that I'm moving in. So the ceiling and the walls are definitely relevant to my life right now and moving forward. Yeah. Ken, what you think, bro? What about you and your experiences, bro? So I will say all, um, <clears throat> seen all three um, throughout my life, and I guess all are still relevant. But the, like going back to the session, the, the one that stood out was the, the floor, talking about the foundation, and it just kind of took me back on a journey through my life. Um, and the whole time that they were talking, um, I was kind of thinking about like the battle of the ego and like how my journey over my life uh, was so, I guess it was so real in that in that aspect in terms of me battling my ego. And when I thought about like how they talked about uh, the character and how the character is real big when it comes to leadership and just accomplishment in general, um, I thought about how I had to work through killing my ego in order to get to the places that I'm at, even in my private practice. And I talk about like, um, or I think about um, bringing clients um, back and, and kind of like decreasing turnover of clients and things like that in my character, I feel like it's a big part of why I'm able to connect with clients and keep them coming in and keep revenue streams coming in like they are. Um, and it took a long time for me to get to that point. Uh, behind the scenes, you wouldn't know. You'll just see the end result. But that that was where it took me, like in terms of like the foundation. I know when I was younger, a lot of the ego would come into play. So a lot of times like responses would come from oh, I'm not supposed to allow a person to talk to me like this or treat me like this. It was all ego-based. It was all um, me protecting whatever I felt like I was protecting in terms of manhood or in terms of uh, my respect or whatever the case may be. And once I got to the point where I realized that my character isn't based off of how other people see me, it's based off of my values and what I want to put out there. And I don't need to be moved by another person's um, decision-making or, or actions towards me, it was when I elevated. So that part really stuck out to me. And it's something that I'm very conscious about. So all three apply, but the found that specific area is the area that I really, I'm intentional about daily to make sure that I put out good character. I mean, from, from a natural standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, because I feel like it's my duty to represent 
the the it's my duty to represent God. It's my duty to represent the walk that I'm supposed to give to show other people by example. So character is a huge thing for me, and um, making sure that my foundation is solid, but also is um, is evident. Like I, I I walk to try to show that light to show people what a solid foundation looks like. So that one really touches me. Yeah, and and Ken, I'm sure you can relate to this in terms of character, but it's it's huge as a parent, man. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. Everything as a parent. Yes. It's everything. <laughs> it's everything. So my kids teach me every day. So my youngest son, he just turned three in December. That joke could be sneezing and coughing. And he won't he won't cover his mouth or he hadn't been anyway. So he's gotten a lot better. So if he does cough, like he'll do a real cough, he'll cover his mouth and then he'll look at me and say, daddy look and then he'll fake cough into his arm <laughs> <laughs> i've been asking him to do right <laughs> modeling modeling good behaviors right. yeah. so, so it was probably maybe two mornings ago um i was up getting ready and i sneezed now i didn't do like a sneeze where like it come out stuff like that it was like one of them half sneezes that you catch right Right. Over my mouth, right? He said, Daddy, cover your mouth. <laughs> it back at you, right? And, and I, could, I, like, I can't get mad. I'm like, I don't like some parents, like old school, that's disrespect. Don't talk back. Now, like, that's real, though. Like, he tell right. it, like, if I'm going to tell it to him, I got to walk it. Right. Right. So, in that moment, I'm like, man, in, in that moment, among many moments, it's just like, I, I got to be on my P's and Q's. I can't just be telling them this and then not do it myself and so again that that is to me the purest example of character like you got to do what you're preaching and it's, it's crazy um not to go too far off. it's still on topic but um one of the biggest things i tell people when it comes to like judging like your not necessarily your character but your ego um is your kids your reactions to your kids you you mentioned old school style you wouldn't allow the kid to say anything back but it's because it, it would be the same thing like that playing defense in terms of like it might bother you a lot of parents would get mad and upset but your character as it develops you start to realize that the intention behind that is not disrespect he just was responding in a way that you model and told him to do or you conditioned him to do so like kids are a great marriage too but kids are a great mirror to you mm-hmm. so like i tell people if you want to start on working on yourself and we're talking about the person within Start looking at your reaction to your kids. How do you react when they do something that you told them not to do? Granted, how do you act when they do something that's just like spontaneous, but it touches you in a nerve or, or anxious way? Um, like those things can tell you, if they, like, and they can tell you right out the gate what you need to work on. What? You preaching. They add, yeah. and, and people don't want to hear it. So people, my kids, this, my kid. No, first of all, you set that foundation. And now part of you is subconsciously mad because that foundation that you set is responding the way it's responding and you don't realize it, but it's a reflection of you and your parenting and your belief about your parenting. That's the reason why you get so mad. But I digress. We'll get, we'll get into that. <laughs> no, no, it's digress. That's, it's all a part of this same conversation. It's like you set the standard for somebody else that you can't live up to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, but but you guys you guys hit on something, uh, especially uh, in regards to parenthood, man. Um, that you're essentially a leader. Yes. You are a leader, and um, 
and, and in the conversation, one of the things that came up was that if everything fall, rises and falls on leadership, then every leader rises and falls on character. And so my question to you brothers then, when we start talking about leadership, your leadership as a parent takes character. But what about character versus the capacity to be a leader or to be a good father? Because there's a lot of, I mean, I, I mean, we've had these conversations about fatherhood, the impact of our fathers that they had on us. And when we sit back and we measure, you know, the capacity of them during the times, during those times to be a good father for us. You know, I know for me, it raises questions for me. You know, did he have the capacity to do it at a tw- as a 22 year old, uh, 22 to 27 year old who really wasn't in love with my mother you know what I mean uh, to let alone have a child in the form of myself like did he ever have the capacity to be a father did he want to be a father did he want to step up to be a father or was he expecting my mother to figure it out you know what I mean so when you kind of posing that question to you brothers in regards to being a parent and being a leader you know what how, how impactful is character versus capacity that go hand in hand yeah um, your character is only as strong as your capacity, I think. Um, like if it's your character is limited to your capacity. So if you're all of your examples of character are negative or not what is conducive to um, growth or, or inspiring others or modeling good behavior, then that's what you're going to do. And that's not to say it, you can say that one would be a good or bad leader based on that, but you're doing it the way that you know how, and that's because of your capacity. Um, And so, but I'm not, and so the responsibility then, I'm not taking responsibility off of the, the leader who has limited capacity, because as an adult, you get to the point where you have to know, you've been exposed enough to other circumstances and situations or examples to know that what you've been doing is not necessarily representative of what it should be. Um, and so I think that's the benefit of continued education or looking outside of your surroundings, for examples, like when we were talking about, um, with the episode about the, becoming the goat and we we're talking about the greatest all time, um, sports wise or whatnot. And we were talking argument about Jordan and, and LeBron and we were talking about a lot of people are, it's, it's, it's definitely Michael Jordan, but we're talking about basketball. But when you look outside of that as being a leader on and off the court, then you have to bring LeBron into the conversation and it's almost unanimous at that point. But it's the same thing. So as a father, I didn't have an example of what it was to be a father in my home because my father wasn't there. So if I went on that and my father, the the way I father my children or parent my children and the way that I lead my family is based on that, I would have been gone a long time ago. But my capacity has expanded because of other examples in my life or me actually seeking out positive examples. Um, and so just just an example, another example of with my kids. So um, I didn't get to watch um, a good husband wife relationship growing up, even when my mother remarried, that wasn't a great situation. And so I. I am intentional about how I treat my wife and how we show affection and things we do between each other in front of the kids. And so one of the things we focus on a lot is not arguing in front of the kids. Now we have not always done that. Like we have gotten into disagreements in front of the kids. Um, 
and my oldest, he picks up on it. And so, so recently, uh, Tanisha and I were going back and forth on something, but not in a negative way. We were, it was actually, we were just joking back and forth, but he, he heard my voice get louder. My wife is already <laughs> I've ever met my wife so you can't tell the difference anyway but he noticed my volume increasing and I and we were laughing joking whatever we were going back and forth he came into the room he was like he said y'all not arguing are you I was like no we're good and so later I was putting in the bed he was like dad I know y'all won't arguing but you know we can't talk to the queen like that <laughs> I tell him that, you know what I mean? And, and and again, it's a humbling experience. And so I'm like, I don't, I said, you're right. I said, we were just joking though, but you're right. I, I can't talk to the queen in, a, in an aggressive way. And I love that. He don't miss nothing. Christian don't miss nothing. <laughs> he keeps me on my P's and Q's. It's just another example of just that, again, the character setting the standards and living up to those standards, but that all happens because of your initial capacity. If you don't have the capacity to, to process that, then it don't matter. Your character is a reflection of that too. That's real. I, I'll say, as you started talking, and I don't know where it came from, but <clears throat> I'll just put it out there, like the, the phrase came to my mind that exposure leads to expansion. So when we talk about capacity, the only way to expand in that capacity is to expose yourself to new ideas, new environments. A person is shaped by their environment. So as far as character, like you said, they go hand in hand. So the capacity is going to determine the level of character that you can reach. And if a person is open-minded, then they can continue to evolve. So 22-year-old dad might not be uh, prepared to have the character needed to be a good leader, but he can become that. It's just a matter of if he's okay, with where he is at that time, or if he wants more, or if somebody comes to him and opens up his mind, which um, points to other leaders and their their job to make sure that they pour on what they need to pour on to open up people's minds and get people to kind of think critically. Um, so it's, it's like a domino effect. Hence the reason why we do what we do and why a lot of people alongside us do what they do, and they have to. And which is why UGB is so important Right. For us to be able to have those, that safe space to be able to talk, um, but also experts come in or, or people who feel uh, compelled to to talk about a specific subject that's dear to them. Like it, all of us benefit from that. Um, right. Being able to, to talk and explore ideas and have that, that information sharing where we can open our minds to different perspectives. So, yeah. So when you, so when you make the comment about um, the 360, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the text from John Maxwell, the 360 leader. Um, it's, a, it's a real good text uh, for anyone that's really that's in a, in a leadership position. But is there is it is it possible that you can be uh, have great character and capacity in one area of your life and be poor in another area? What are your thoughts on that? On the surface, yes. Um, so it goes back to the, the uh, like the analogy of the iceberg. Um, so most of the mass of the iceberg is on the bottom. And even if it's a huge iceberg, it looks big on the surface. Um, but when you run across a floater, um, you find out that more of the mass, it's the opposite, more of the mass or content of that iceberg is above the surface versus below the surface. Um, 
so it's the same thing you can if your character is strong in one area or you're 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 good at um appearances it looks like your character is strong um but when you get hit with something and you fall from grace you find out where that floor is and, and so that's where that plays in. So if your character is not strong, your character is not strong. It's just, it's just like discipline. Um, if you can be disciplined, then you can you learn to to move that discipline just from one part of your life to the other. And that's where true discipline is. Same thing with true character. You you can't you you can't fake the funk. Like you can't say you're a good man and you beat your wife. That doesn't you can't. That doesn't it don't work. It don't work. Yeah, right. I feel like in, in basically you got uh, two types of mentality. So you got a selfish uh, mentality and a selfless mentality. I think we naturally come into the world as selfish. With kids, we learn um, with children or babies, and we learn to cry for what we need. We learn that others are supposed to cater to us. As you evolve, you learn, um, you hope to learn to switch the switch. So I no longer get um, my satisfaction out of what's done for me because I realize it's empty, like it's temporary happiness, but it's empty. And then I get what I get from giving to others. So with that being said, we all we all live off of exchange, I think, naturally, but it's just what your value is in terms of what you value in exchange. So like you said, a person may be um, showing good character in a certain area, but it may just be their drive because they're getting a certain exchange. But like you said, once life shows you that that exchange is 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 fruit is small, like it's, it doesn't really mean much, then the fall comes. But if you learn to be driven off of your ability to do for others, then that's when the character is across the board. So it doesn't matter. Your job is to listen to your surroundings, the people around you, listen to um, people's needs, and you just fall in position. So you just fall in position how you can and help how you can. And your job is to make sure that they're good. So a person says something off the wall to you, you no longer look at it as I need to protect myself or I need to make sure I'm good in this situation. You look at it as let me understand them. So character comes um, with stuff like that, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So so from what I just heard, you you pretty much saying like um, if your character or your drive is based on selfishness, then it's, it's fleeting. It won't right. last. It has right. to where you're looking to to add benefit to other people or at least um, reach out to other people through your driving character. Right. And I mean, we see it, like I said, when going back to, I spoke about the kids, but I also threw in their marriage. You see it in marriage. Marriage is an ultimate mirror. And that's what happens. Honeymoon stages, um, they last for however long the exchange is good, but then you run into that situation where, okay, I'm no longer getting this exchange at that level, and that's where character has to kick in. Because now you got to stand on the words that you spoke when you were in a mood that you're no longer in. Mm. So with that being said, how you going to act? Because mm. now you stuck to something that you that you agreed to, because mm. till death do us is a, it's a, it's a clear statement. Mm. So now it's not till death do us because she don't look the same. I don't get that exchange. It's not till death do us because the sex isn't as pleasurable or because um, this, that, or the third, whatever it may be. It's no longer about you and the person. It's about you and yourself at that moment. Like, how, how, how real are you? <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not married, and, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. You're not, really, you're not saying I do to the good in the vows. You're saying I do to the bad. Right. It's right there. It's right there. So your character 
if you in the moment, if you if you already evolved as a person when you're saying that, you recognize that. You recognize, like I'm saying, I'm giving, I'm gonna know a lot more about you in five years, and I'm willing to stick. I'm willing to stay. And I tell people, you can do it. Everybody, going back to capacity, everybody, I feel like most people, I'll say most people have the capacity to do it because most people, when it comes to their children, they're never thinking, I'm gonna divorce my children. They may think about, like, I, I, I definitely want to. But they never go and say, I'm going to just divorce my children. The majority of people, they say, man, it's my child. Like, they, they, they claim them, they stay locked in, even if that child isn't doing what they want them to do. So you have the capacity to stay committed to something that might not be giving you everything that you expected from it. But society allows you to believe that I can divorce this woman or this man. If I'm not happy, I can leave. That's the narrative that they paint. And that that's okay. And and in the big picture, yes, if like you not being happy is like extremely destructive type. Right. Thing. Right. Like, definitely. Yeah. But so, just because you just they getting on your nerves, or you know, what I mean, they're not doing what you want them to do. And then that so that goes back again. The previous conversation we had is like when you're in a relationship, man. It's it's not about trying to make that other person happy because if that's how you started out, then you're definitely gonna have that issue come up because right always going to be able to do something to make that person happy or if their happiness is based in who you are your it's it's tied to what you do or your mood all the time you're going to have an issue because you're not going to be in the same mood all the time so it's right. when you say like you say you say i do it's not just saying i do to this relationship or to that person is you saying i do to who you are and sticking with that relationship right so in the shift, so in the shift of talking about character but still staying within the uh the uh this you know the 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 boundaries of um of, of leadership though um i mean how does how does how do you all view leadership in itself not just as a parent or as a husband uh what about just leadership in general and being a leader as a black man mm. that kind of influence all right put a pin in it right there we're gonna come back in just a second so then the question is you know um in, in regards to character what what does that say about in regards to leadership not just as you guys being parents um or being husbands um what about just being a leader as a whole and especially about being a black man in leadership and so so for me um it just it's little room for error there's no room for error as a black leader whether it be male or female um, especially in a professional setting, like you are already blessed enough or fortunate enough to to be in a major leadership role. Like whether we're talking about like a job or something like that to be a supervisor. For you, Jay, <laughs> as a <laughs> assistant VP, bro, like it's no room for error, especially when it comes to your character. Right. Um, and, and I don't know how y'all feel about this coming up, but like with the previous VP uh, black male at Pitt Community College a couple of years ago, his character came into question because of some decisions he made and how he got caught up and he's no longer there. And so it just like, that's the, a primary example. Like when your character comes into question, especially when you're a public figure or you you people know you you're in the community your name rings bells you can't mess up like that unless it's your own private entity type deal like if you're working for somebody else and your character is called 
into question as a leader in a leadership role, you might as well chalk it up. And not only does it screw you up in that position, but word get out, it's going to screw you up long term dealing with and, and trying to move forward in other positions. So, but we see all the time redemption stories or, or we know, like, just look at Trump boys, man. Like, he getting these jokers out of jail for stuff that they've done that, and they're going to go back to living the life they've been living or get hired by somebody else's firm or whatever to do what they're going to do. Meanwhile, if that was us, for one, we're not getting pardoned. For two, if we were to get pardoned or get out and get a second chance, it ain't no second chance. You're going to have to make that second chance yourself. And so it's unfair, but, I mean, it just is what it is. And so I, I, I always am cognizant of that. Like, and I'm sure you can speak to it, Jay, but when, as a leader and especially a public leader, you can't mess up. And so it's not that those figures don't mess up, but that's where the scandals come in. And once that first, that first thing hits the fan, you realize that it's a whole scandal because it's not that you're going to, if your character ain't right, it's not that you're not going to do questionable things. It's just you're going to be sneaky with those questionable things that you do to try to cover it up so you don't get caught up. So that's, again, the character. Like, the character ain't going to, on the surface, it looks like everything good, but if your character ain't right, you're going to hit that floor. You're going to hit yeah. that floor. It's inevitable. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Uh, King, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. No, you were good. I was just um, <clears throat> just piggybacking off of that in the field that I'm in. I've been uh, doing direct uh, mental health services for about 13 years now. I've been doing clinical for about five, but I've been around the eastern North Carolina area. I've worked about 10 counties out here over my tenure, and you get a chance to really see a lot of the the, the behind the scenes political stuff that goes on in these um, arenas. And one of the things that I noticed is um, in certain, at certain tables, it's not but so many seats for us in general, which is a given. Like we know that it's obvious. We know it's not but so many seats at the table for a black leader or a black male leader, right? Um, but I've also noticed this underlying factor of because it's not so many seats at the table, we're fighting each other on top of the system fighting us, for lack of better words. So you already have this big, big weight on your shoulders because they're waiting for every downfall. But then you have people that's under you. And because it's only one seat at the table, they're looking for their chance to get that seat. So they're going behind the scenes waiting for a character flaw or, or a fall in, in character so they can go and present it and say, huh, this is the reason why this person is not a, uh, not fit for this seat. And this is the reason why I should probably be fit for this seat. And I see it a lot. Like mm -hmm. the blackmailing that goes on behind the scenes when it comes mm -hmm. to these agencies trying to tear each other down. And um, I won't go into detail. I would love to, uh, but I'm not going to go into detail, but it's, it's just bad, man. Like I look at some of the characters, of some of these owners, especially the ones that don't have a background in mental health, but they're just eating off of the, the, uh, the pot like from the business side of things, it's just bad how they tear people down and mess with people's livelihoods. I, I, could, I can agree, man. One of the things that jumps out to me, especially when you were talking about, um, you know, the, the piece about, you know, tearing each other down, man. Um, it's interesting, you know, when you start talking about leadership and how I've been, in, in my experience of how, um, it's almost like the ex, like you mentioned about the expectation for us to mess up. 
You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm just waiting in the cut. You know, I'm just waiting in the cut because for whatever reason, for one, if you being a black male, I don't even think that you have the capacity to even be in this particular role. You know what I mean? For whatever pictures that society has painted for us to not be good leaders, good fathers, good husbands, um, being able to maintain a position, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, 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 to them, they're, they're actually waiting on it. But going back to the the uh, initial part that Stefan was talking about, man, in that leadership aspect, man, you know, it's one of the things that, that jumps out is like, you know, talent and skill can get you somewhere, but character will keep you there, you know? Um, I, I, I've experienced, man, uh, just in my time of working within higher ed, man, that um, a lot of my success is based off of who I am in this in, in, in this environment, man. You know, um, I've never I've never cheated anybody. I've never um, I've always advocated for people. I've always advocated for students. And you come in with a servant heart, you know what I mean, and with a selfless heart. And then as a result, that's where the blessings come in. But when you come in there with a different type of agenda as a leader, and you're thinking about self. You'll quickly find out. You'll quickly, quickly find get found out. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to mm -hmm. end up making a decision that's going to be selfish, as opposed mm -hmm. to a selfless decision. Um, all of your decision making. It's all about your dollars. It's all about your your title. And that's that. That's one of the, the things that raised red flags for me from dealing with leaders is that when they start talking about how they want to progress in that particular title. You right. know what I mean? As opposed to in doing the work that is called for them to do. Um, mm -hmm. It, it, it says a lot. But then I also have had experiences with other black men being in, the, in, in a particular role of leadership and how it's affected my role in leadership. And you start looking at their character. Um, I remember being in a meeting one time before, uh, and, and ironically, I've had my previous, as opposed to this one right here, my current uh, supervisor, my current VP, I had two black males who served in, uh, in uh, positions of influence, serving as my, uh, my supervisor as a VP. And uh, I remember being in a meeting, and he and I were the only two black men in, within our whole department, and our whole division. And we were in a divisional meeting, and uh, we were having some dialogue, and I made a comment that majority of the people that were in our area, you know, they complimented or agreed with it. My supervisor came right behind me and said some other shit, excuse my language, but said some other stuff, and it was kind of like crickets. And then later on, I sat there and said to myself, I'm like, yo, why did he even do that? You know what I mean? And I, and, and, and I might have, when I processed it, I was like, yo, this ain't the first time he's done that. And mm -hmm. this ain't the first time he's done that to not just me, but he's done it to other Blacks. And for some reason, I was like, is this dude literally trying to take the claim that he is the HNIC? You know what I'm saying? In the literal mm -hmm. sense, I am the HNIC. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You ain't gonna mm -hmm. big me up. You know what I mean? And so, um, so you start talking about leadership. It makes me question: Do leadership and character? Where does character fall into play? That I am someone of influence for other people who look like me. Because when I first got the pit, um, we had a it was a black male counselor when I first got there, and. Uh, and one of the things, at that time, we probably had about five or six black men who worked in student services. Well, the counselor at that time, um, he was really uh, defiant against his supervisor, which was a white woman. Well, mm -hmm. the way that he operated was in a manner of disrespect, um, defiancy, 
not caring about how he looked when he came to work, not caring about how he spoke to his coworkers, et cetera. And so we had to sit down and have a conversation with this dude and be like, look, you could very well be the, could really dictate whether or not they hire another black male counselor in this particular role, let alone mm -hmm. the image that you're putting off makes it, you know, it affects all of us as black men in this particular division, let alone probably on this whole campus. But that makes me want to ask you guys, does, do, do you feel like you also, not necessarily bear the burden, but do you think about a process, your character, you being in a leadership role, and other Black men to follow? Absolutely. Absolutely. So real quick, going back to your example of the HNIC, um, I think that mentality is learned because in those higher ranks, you start to see that it's only room enough for one of us. And so that that leader or the whoever you were talking about in that example, they and I don't even know if it was a conscious thing. You that would be only they could determine that. But it's like subconsciously, I gotta stake my claim and make sure that I'm always considered more valuable than this other black man. Cause when it comes down to it, yeah, I don't want nothing bad happen to him, but at the end of the day, I gotta eat provide for me and my family. So if this is going to be a choice, I need that choice to be me. And so, and, and that's, that is uh, uh, more uh, speaking to the system and just where we are as people and where we've come from and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I think like that, that was an interesting example. And so back to what you asked about, do we think about that in our current roles, the roles that we've been in the past? So, yeah. So my position, my last position at Pitt, or when I first came to Pitt, I started off as a part-time employee. And so my goal was to get full-time. And so in that thinking, I would, or in, in that process, my thinking was included who would ever come behind me when I moved on or when I moved into another position because the way it was, the, the, the team was set up, they needed diversity in the position. And so I feel, felt like they would hire, if they needed to, they would hire another black male or another black employee in that position. Um, and just knowing my situation and having a family, that position needed to be full time. So I was pushing for it to be full time and expecting it to be full time. Also thinking that whoever comes behind me, if it's another black male, I would want him to have to, to come into a full time position versus it being part-time because if he's anything like me he's gonna have goals and expectations and maybe a family to provide for and it's hard to do that part-time work and so it, it actually had come up um like when i can't so when i came back to pcc in the last position i was in um just in in general conversation about when a position was being created it was like um at that point in time i could have benefited from it being part-time um, that way it would allow me the freedom to do some other things, but I didn't want it to be brought in part-time again, because my thinking was, I knew I wasn't going to be there forever type deal, or that I might move into something else, even within the same, within Pitt Community College or whatever, but I wanted whoever followed behind me, and it didn't even, it didn't, it doesn't have to be a black male or a black female, just whoever's coming behind me, I want them to have the security of a full-time position, just like I wanted the security of a full-time position. Um, and I don't, I know everybody doesn't think like that. They just thinking like, well, how am I supposed to benefit from this? How can I make the most of it? But in a lot of situations, man, that's what I'm thinking about. So, and 
anything that I do. So like in my investment journey with getting into real estate, I'm working with a young guy now, young black male. And we've been talking over the last couple of days. He's working on some deals that he's coming up with. But I made it in a, my intent to reach back and I want to help. And so anything that I do, especially in a leadership capacity, I'm always looking at who is who could possibly be looking up to me. Even if I'm a leader of my one, which is of myself, I know that at some point in time, somebody's going to hear about what I'm doing and they might want to do it. I'm thinking about putting pieces in place for me that also will benefit the ones who follow. Right. It's almost like you consciously and unconsciously um, are pretty much um, setting the stage, setting it up for someone else. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that, uh, that quote, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of it, um, that the eyes of the future are looking back at us so that we're hoping that we see beyond our time. Yep. You know? And so, okay. And, 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 yeah, I, I, I just put this, I hate this, like talking about myself <laughs> and what I'm doing. So, I don't want anybody here this to think that I'm saying these things as like just boasting myself up. Like this is, this is honestly my my thinking when I do things. Anybody who knows me knows that. So, I, but I just I I'm hearing myself talk and I don't like it. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, I mean, but it's crazy because I get exactly what you're saying, but. I think it's necessary at times and, and they know what the platform is for, you know what I mean? But I think it's necessary at times because our young guys got to know that how to celebrate themselves as well. Cause if not, that'd be used against them. So, I mean, you get the chance to celebrate yourself and it's in a parameter where it's an answer to a question. So we asked you to put yourself on, on front street like that. And I preface it like that because I'm about to go into my little run that I don't like to do either. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> hey, but this is a space for sheer transparency and vulnerability. So right. you know what I mean? Right. You 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 stepped into the into this into this into this ring. So right, right. But I mean the same thing, like you pretty much hit the nail on the head. But um in in what I do, I, I make it a duty to make my stamp because you do not see black male therapists at all, especially in Eastern North Carolina. It's very mm -hmm. rare. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing on a certain level because I'm gonna be honest, I can leave any job and go anywhere and probably get work. And I can mm -hmm. probably negotiate my pay higher than the average person there because they need me. So it's a That's great true. demand, but you don't have a lot of guys that come in, period. And then you don't have a lot of guys that come in and take it serious to the level that they should in order to navigate. So they end up coming. I see people come in. And it's like, oh, man, we got another black guy. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel because it's like mm -hmm. they can take some of this caseload, but I can also kind of like connect with them on a different level than probably some of my other colleagues. And they don't last two weeks. I've had it happen yep. twice in the last what, two or three years at the agency that I'm with, my primary um, agency that I work with. And so with that being said, I'm also a clinical supervisor. So I'm able to supervise people fresh out of school for the first two years while they get their provisional license, while they have their provisional license and work towards their full license. So I intentionally try to seek out black male therapists. And the reason being is because it's a nasty game, like I was saying before. So it's a lot of politics involved. However, the owners and the administrators are not going to let you know the power that you have. So just like I was saying, you really have a very strong negotiating power in this business as a black male therapist, but they're not going to let you know that because they want to squeeze everything out of you. And in mm -hmm. that, they'll squeeze the life out of you. These guys will get burnt out or they end up running from the profession. So I make it my duty to make sure that I put them under the wing and give them the game 
before life is probably going to give it to them. Because some things you won't learn until three years, four years in, because you're so green. So I, nah, let, let's do it. Let's let me pull you in. And um, from an informal leadership position, we, I'm gonna tell you exactly what you can go into. So I'm gonna tell you the micro, the micro uh, aggressions that you might run into, and I'm gonna go ahead and prepare you because you may not be at a position where to where you can, on, I mean, off instinct or on demand, respond correctly to it. And you, like you said, one bad move can mess up your whole move. So now I'm gonna tell you what to, what to expect, and I'm gonna tell you how to navigate around this when they hold your check. I'm going to tell you the legal side of things and how you can you know, go about that instead of saying I'm going to flip the whole office upside down. Those type <laughs> of things. But you see that in our profession a lot, yeah. too. Like, so just, I mean, just going into that, you pretty much gave that same rundown. But um, that's that's kind of the the weight that I put on my shoulders and, and the thing I want to see because I, I know for a fact, especially in Eastern North Carolina and in a lot of the counties that I serve, that the majority of our population that we serve when we talk about children is the Medicaid population. And the majority of the ones that we see come through the door are young black males. So they don't have therapists that they can identify with, but so much because we can't get the professionals in the door. Well, I like that, that, that statement all together, man, because you know, totally if, I, if I'm listening to you brothers correctly, I know that for myself, I don't, I don't, I don't come to work to play chess with the students. I have to, I have to become a mastermind and play, figure out how to play chess with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Playing chess with them jokers. You know what I'm saying? To, to, to figure out my next move. And when it comes, when, when you brothers are referencing, um, you know, setting the stage or each one teach one or pulling somebody um, along with you in the process, man, you gotta, you gotta play chess have chess moves, you know, a strategy, even working with that. You know what I mean? You can't just jump out there, you know what I'm saying, um, and think you can just get them a million dollars worth of game and think that they're just going to absorb it and run with it. You know what I'm saying? You got to school them to the game, not just this is what you do, but this is why you do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And it's like, and the way I've heard it talked about before, it's like it's a tax that we have to pay the – the black man's tax or the black leader's tax is like you have to pay an extra tax <laughs> for the same position that somebody else wouldn't have to deal with. Um, and that tax is in the form of being under constraint, having to walk this tightrope, so to speak. And, uh, and and I know we're talking about males in this situation, but I, I can argue that our black female leaders uh, catch it the most like when you talk about microaggressions, bruh, if a black woman in a leadership position or any position even look like her voice or her volume is about to go higher than normal, she's right. considered the angry black woman. And she'll never get elevated to a leadership role when it's like that. And it don't take it don't take nothing. It don't even gotta be you. It can be the way somebody interpreted or their perspective on how you responded based on how they feel you're supposed to respond. And it has put you in a box forever with that company or at least under that leadership. So I don't want to leave our ladies out on that. I know this is a male platform or this platform as far as males, but just having my, my wife, it, it just makes me think like I know that they, they catch hell on a regular basis as leaders or aspiring leaders as well. I mean, that's all, it's all inclusive. So even though, you know, this is a male's platform, I mean, I think there's a lot of value that comes in across the board, you know, to include the females. 
Yeah. And shout out to our female listeners. I know we got some. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I, I think I saw the subscribers, the new subscribers based upon the giveaway. All female. Yeah. Yes. yes. Supporters. So, so that, that shows. That, behind exactly. To see the value <laughs> of not just you good, bro, but seeing black men being in a good, healthy space emotionally and mentally because they know that they, this is. They benefit sons. from it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And no woman wants to be in, in, in with an unhealthy emotionally and mentally um, black man or man in general. But right. Yeah. You know, um, so so to, so to kind of to wrap this up, man, um, I want to pose a, a slight question. And this might this probably be something that we might have to go to in another session. But the impact of trauma when it comes to your character. You know, what, what does that look like? You know what I mean? You know, and to help not only for ourselves, but when we see other young black men making the decisions that they make, um, how do you, how do you, when you start peeling back the layers about why they made the decisions? First, you know, in the beginning, you might be thinking, well, your, your character just sucks. But then when you peel back the layers of the trauma they've experienced, and they tell you that this is the foundation that I was built on. These are the values that I, I, you know, that I was taught, and this is what I stand on. How do you, how do you combat that when that's all they know? And you're talking about acceptance, man. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, Ken. Nope. <laughs> nope. Say, <laughs> so Jacob, let me jump in there. Yeah, look, he was gonna tear it down. He was gonna tear it down. He was gonna tear it down so that nobody can have nothing to say after. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nah, bro. Give me a second. Give, I know you're an expert. Give me a second before you shut everything down. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but nah, man. So for me, I don't really have a problem with the understanding part. I I usually, that's what I go to first. When, that, when I know the background, I know it's something. I know something happened in your life. Something how you were brought up is why, because otherwise it makes no sense right. why you would do some of the things that you're doing. So I know it has to be in how you were reared, um, your experiences, what you've been exposed to, what you haven't been exposed to. So I rarely have trouble with starting with a come from a place of understanding or at least attempting to understand. Um, and that's something that I, 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 I pride myself on. I don't have problems with that. Um, but there's a very fine line, very thin line between having that understanding and working with that person and then getting burnt out um, because they're just not getting it or you don't feel like they're getting it fast enough. Um, and they just keep doing the same stupid things. And it, it just it adds stress to your life because you're like, you should have this. Like, <laughs> like you just want to take them and shake them or crack their head open and dump what they need in their brain and go from there. And so that's the frustrating part. And that's where you can get burnt out with dealing with trauma. Um, and then it makes it worse when they know that they have those experiences or, or that trauma and they lean on that as an excuse. So I don't even know what I was reading or what I saw, but it was like the trauma isn't your responsibility, but the healing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the healing is, the, is your responsibility as that individual who's going through that trauma, not the trauma itself. And so that's where, that's the, that's the, where you have to, the approach you take when you're dealing with or working with somebody like that, come from a place of understanding and then help them realize that, take all the excuses away. It ain't about what's happened, it's about what you do with what's happened moving forward. Um, 
and just understanding that thin line and understanding this year, it's not your job to fix that person. You plant the seeds and they get watered, whether it's by you or in the rest of their life. And then at some point in time, it's the hope that those seeds will, will be, they'll come to harvest and, and have a good harvest. Uh, I'm done, Ken, go ahead and kill it. No, look, that's a tough one, man, because it's a lot of <clears throat> it's a lot of factors that go into it. But I was uh, piggybacking off of what you said, so I'm glad you went first. Um, character is contagious. So we all hear that saying of uh, if you hang around, what, nine broke people, you'll become the tenth broke person. Yep. So right. basically what you were saying is um, a lot of healing of a person that's just so traumatized or um, so trauma is a call and response thing or the reaction to trauma is a call and response thing. So certain things call and they reach back to touch situations or conditions based off of situations that you respond. So with that being said, you kind of are working against a long period of time. So what you can do is you can show that I have unconditional regard, even though you're giving this type of response. So like you were saying, the only thing you got to do is protect yourself from burnout <clears throat> as a person that's trying to help somebody mend their trauma uh, effects or their, their, uh, their bruises and, and hurt from trauma. So basically, you, you try to prevent yourself from burnout, but you show them that unconditional positive regard um, and let them know not all situations turn out for negative because they're conditioned to say, okay, I'm going to just go this way anyway because it's always going to go left. So if you continue to show them that no matter what you do, my response is based off of what you do, then you start to show them that the world has different scenarios and there's exceptions to every rule. And then they start to come out of their, their mind frame and they start to say, it's a different type of people in life. Not everybody is going to beat me like my mom did. Not everybody is going to chastise me like my teacher did. And then you start to help them kind of grow out of that. But it goes back to the characteristics of a leader. Like, so as a leader, helping a person with trauma you got, a, you got a tough job, but that selflessness, mm -hmm. that not making it about you. So, oh, I'm mad because this person won't get it. Like you said, we get to that point. I, we all do. Trust me, I get that mm -hmm. every day. But being able to go inside and saying, okay, my job is to be selfless. Let me get back in tune with my purpose and let me be a vessel. That's powerful, bro. That's powerful from both of you brothers. Okay, so um, once again, another powerful session, man. Um, with amazing thought leaders like yourselves, bro. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, they don't make them like us. And, you know, you know, I mentioned this before on numerous uh, episodes that, you know, everybody's not like us. Everybody doesn't think like us. So we bring a, a, a unique perspective, especially for the, you know, the growth and the enhancement of, of black men. So, um, you know, once again, you know, we've laid it down. And uh, hey, Ken, if you want to, man, go ahead and throw that plug out there, man, about the giveaway, man. It's been been marketed um, by all three of us on our social media platforms. Hey, bet. So um, we have been marketing the giveaway. I think we had started it. Ugh, I think we might have rented it from Christmas Eve, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty much a $100 yeah. giveaway and a $50 giveaway. The $100 giveaway required um, users or listeners to um, subscribe to the UGB podcast and post it under the, the post, the original post. And then the $50 giveaway required them to share an episode um, and then post it under the post, screenshot it and post it under the post. Um, and we had some entries. Uh, so we'll actually be sorting through those and giving them away as soon as we complete this episode. And then we'll be announcing those on Facebook. And um, we didn't 
advertise this with the post, but it's just an extra incentive. So the winners, what we'll be doing is we'll be kind of highlighting them. So of course we'll let them know that they won, but then if they have some type of business endeavor, then we'll um, utilize our social outlets to just kind of highlight what they do and ask for support to follow what they do and maybe just kind of um, spread the word about their one of their personal endeavors that they have or business endeavors that they have. So um, as soon as we close this out, we'll be um, picking those winners and posting them on Facebook. No, no doubt. So uh, any last any last words? Any any kind of um, any plugs you want to throw in for anything you guys got coming up? Anything that's going on within your own specific entities that you know people can get involved in? So um, for me, uh, right now, <clears throat> I just tell people to continue to support the UGB podcast. Look for that gossip material to come out, that licensure and all of that. It was a little hectic. We got a little uh, backed up with things, but we're finishing up stuff. So things should be able to come out. Merchandise and content should be able to come out soon. Also, I told my homeboy, he's one of our biggest supporters. He's always checking in to see what we got going on. He knows all the episodes about front to back. His name is Jimmy Adams. I told him I'd check him out. I mean, I shout him out um, on this episode because he didn't get a chance to join into the um, giveaway. So he's upset because he was trying to I think he was selling the house and getting to his new house and he was just off of social media. But I told him I'd shout him out because he does support us pretty well. So yeah, that's everything out. I got. Shout out to Jimmy. Yeah, no doubt. Um, for me, um, just same as Ken, continue to support. Um, we'll be here. We ain't going nowhere. Um, we love doing this. This is not just therapeutic for the listeners. It's therapeutic for us as well. Um, so we'll, we'll do this whether y'all want to hear it or not. Um, in terms of um, some things I've got going on. So uh, most recently, I've um, got into financial planning and um, life insurance, which is part of financial planning. But I'm all about, like I was talking earlier in this episode, about anything that I do, I'm always trying to, to look back and, and see how I can help, especially our people. So if you're interested in developing um, a financial plan, um, and this is, I'm not, this is free of charge. You just want to have a, a, a discussion about money, how money works, how to set up your finances for yourself, for your future, um, retirement, um, protecting your income through life insurance, whatever the case may be, I'm available for that. Um, you can shoot me an email um, at stephen.mcgee at gmail. So S-T-E-F-F-E-N dot m-c-g-h-e-e -E at gmail you can hit me up on social media whatever the case may be and again this is nothing I'm, I'm doing to make money off of you directly like where i'm charging you for an appointment all i'm trying to do if nothing else is help people develop a budget a debt payoff plan understand where your finances are and where you're trying to go if you're planning to buy a house all of that um, i want to help you with that um, if i can't help you i'll point you in the right direction whatever the case may be that's that's where our power is going to come. That's where the game will change for us when we get our finances in line with our purpose and in line with who we want to be and where we want to go. So um, that's that's the main thing. Um, we got some other stuff in the works, but that's what I'm prepared to talk about at the moment. So um, like I said, hit me up. Oh, and that's a good segue, man, into, again, I'm going to promote that um, on February the 23rd will be uh, the main initiative in your good bro. Uh, hosting um, a, uh, a a financial literacy uh, it was called building uh, from the block to the boardroom um, bridging uh, 
bridging today's youth with uh, economic empowerment and to bridging the gap between economic empowerment and today's youth. Again, that'll take place on February 23rd. Um, but then also that's the prelude to the virtual National Main Summit, which will take place on April the 16th. Uh, more information for both of those events will be coming out. Uh, if you hear this episode uh, before you receive the information, uh, you can reach me at maininitiative at gmail.com, but that m.a.i.n.initiative uh, at gmail.com, just like the acronym, uh, Mills Addressing Issues and Needs. Um, so look forward to hearing from y'all soon. Next, UGB convening to take place on uh, January the 16th. The topic of that day is a hero with a thousand faces. Uh, the expert opinion will come from Hyrule McNeekin, uh, co-founder of CJEDI, I'm sorry, I'm sorry CJDEI LLC. So um, that's what's going on. If you want to RSVP, uh, go ahead and do so at yougoodgrowinc.com, I mean, at gmail.com, and uh, you'll be added to the, the list. And then for those of you all who have participated in the You Good Grow convening, uh, your information is already created in our, um, in our contact uh, server. So you'll automatically uh, get the information about each convenient without having the RSVP ever again. So again, thank y'all for joining us on this uh, for this episode of You Good Bro, of the You Good Bro podcast. And um, let's keep the conversation going, brothers. Peace. No doubt. Peace. Peace, family. The UGB team, Stephen McGee. Kendra Joyner, Jasmine Spain, we just want to thank you for your support thus far, whether it be you just listening, whether it be financial support, whether it be you sharing our posts, whatever the case may be. Our goal is to reach and impact as many people as possible, but specifically men and men of color. Everything we do on this podcast and our face-to-face meetings is geared toward empowering men to be better, be better fathers, be better husbands, be better sons. And so with your support, we plan to increase our outreach. Uh, We plan to take our face-to-face meetings on the road and be able to expand the reach of our podcast and our face-to-face meetings globally. Any support you give is much appreciated. If you want, if you feel led to to contribute financially, there's a link in every description of the episode that you can click that will allow you to contribute financially, especially if you're listening on the Anchor platform. UGB and the main initiative is a 501c3 organization, so all your uh, contributions can be tax deductible. Again, we appreciate your support, and anything you you do contribute will go towards furthering the mission of UGB and the main initiative. Let's keep the conversation going. Peace.